a deep dive into the Los Angeles Angels, waiver wire, pitcher preview, and Ruvain's injury report. Plus, an announcement about how you can get involved and be a part of our show. But first, Angels beat writer Jeff Fletcher joins us next on Beat the Shift. Welcome to another episode of the Beat the Shift podcast. I am your host, Ariel Cohen, and with me as always, Ruvain Guy. How are you, Ruvain? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, baseball continues. We're uh, about the same length of games that the entire season was last year, about the 60-game mark, and uh, it's kind of surreal that uh, we get to have another extra 100 games, you know? Yeah, it's going to be great, and especially with more fans coming into the stadiums, it's going to be a lot more fun. We get to see how the players, again, how they react to the fans and if they're impacted at all by that. Yeah. Well, we got a great show for you today, continuing going around the MLB, and our guest today is Jeff Fletcher, uh, Angels beat writer for the Orange County Register. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Well, um, first of all, just a little bit about you. Um, you know, how did you get your start in the business, and uh, you know, how did you get to, to where you are today? Well, I just uh, always had wanted to uh, to be a baseball writer when I was a teenager, and I, I uh, studied journalism in college at Ohio University, and uh, I got a job. I got an internship out of school at the LA Times, and I covered high school sports and college sports there for a little while, and then I got a job at the Santa Rosa Press Democrat, which is a little north of San Francisco covering the Giants and A's, and I've been covering baseball ever since. That's been about 25 years. Wow, not bad, not bad. So let's get right down to it, to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. It, it, um, so the Angels have a bunch of MVP candidates. We have uh, Shohei Otani, who's been unbelievable. There's also Mike Trout. What about Jared Walsh? Uh, if you could pick who the Angels' MVP to date is, who would it be and why? Uh, well, it's got to be Otani. Otani has obviously been, you know, a, a fixture offensively and on the mound. I mean, he's probably the MVP of the whole American League, so that would make him the Angels MVP. Uh, Walsh is not really, you know, at that level, and then obviously Mike Trout is, is going to miss six to eight weeks. So I think it's pretty clearly Otani. Yeah. Um, so far, uh, Otani has earned 2.9 war, according to Fangraphs, 2 for the hitting, 0.9 for the pitching. That leaves the team. Mike Trout would be uh, next with 2.3, Walsh with 1.8, and Alex Cobb with 1.2. Um, surprising. Surprising that Alex Cobb is that high up in the war. Yeah, yeah, not bad. Um, it's always interesting because the, uh, the those three guys, Walsh, Otani, and Trout, are pretty clearly their top three. And I'm always kind of amused to see like who's popped into number four on a given day because it's it's usually somebody kind of random that just had like a good week. So there's there's not a big difference between four and fifteen. So whoever's number four is always kind of like a trivia question. And what's what's crazy about Mike Trout is that he hasn't played since May 17th and he still leads the team in WAR. So he's been out for almost two two three weeks, for almost four weeks, and he's still leading the team. That's how good he was before he went down. Yeah, he was having one of his better years, even by Mike Trout standards. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Otani has been unbelievable. You know, forty-four RBIs, nine stolen bases. He, he's on pace for forty-five homers 
23 stolen bases, 116 RBIs, and right now, pitching-wise, he's got 60 strikeouts pitching in just 42 innings, a 34% strikeout rate, meaning he's striking out a third of all the batters he faces. Um, as far as Otani being the AL MVP, we have a question from uh, R. Forvel. He asks, how many more months does Shohei Otani have to sustain his current performance to lock down the AL MVP? And just preface it right now, uh, I mentioned he had 2.9 war. The only guys in the American League who have higher, um, Xander Bogart, Cedric Mullins also have 2.9. Vlad Guerrero Jr., 3.5. Garrett Cole, 3.1. Those guys are, are ahead of him. But, um, you know, h- how many more months does he have to sustain this? Obviously, this is a, a six-month thing. Um, w- what's your take on him as far as candidacy for AL MVP? Well, I think if he gets to the end of the year and he's an above-average pitcher and an above-average hitter, and I mean, like, significantly above-average like he is now, that he's going to win the MVP. I mean, I don't know. You know, he's right now his, his uh, OPS plus is like 155 and his ERA plus is like 162. So if he gets to the end of the year and he's like over 140 in both of those, then I think he's probably the MVP just because nobody has ever done that before. You know, the question, though, is um, Otani, he's had an injury history. Um, what is your take in terms of him being injured down the stretch or in terms of, not injured, in terms of them sitting him more? I'd say especially on the pitching side. Do they have any plans to maybe skip a couple of starts, um, sit him down a little bit more on the hitting side, or are they going to pretty much maintain the usage of him from the first two months of the season onward the whole year? I think he is going to get a little bit more time off. He had a game a few weeks ago where his velocity was really down. And they, there was nothing wrong with him, but they just determined that he was kind of fatigued. So since then, he's been getting a, a couple more days off, and he's not been pitching every sixth day. It's more like every seventh day now. So I think that they're probably going to go with that for a while, and I wouldn't be surprised if at some point he does need you know, to have a whole start skipped, you know, just depending on how he's feeling. Uh, maybe gets a few more off days as a hitter, but uh, I don't think it's going to be anything significant to where he, he misses significant time. I think they're just going to kind of try to pace him to get him all the way through. And a follow-up on that, do you think the Angels are going to keep up with the six-man rotation throughout the entire season? I mean, it's, it's it's a little unconventional. Joe Madden is always a little bit unconventional. Are they going to follow through with the six-man rotation throughout the rest? Well, if they're in the race at the end and they've got you know one guy who's clearly not as good as the other guys, I think they would probably get rid of it and just to, to maximize their their best pitcher's pitching. But I think that they're really concerned with the the workload of all these guys coming off a 60-game season, and they're going to kind of keep doing this. And then once you sort of get to the the sprint, as you say, at the end, I think they might uh, compress it a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about Jared Walsh. I'll go to Ruvain first for this. So far, 297 average, 13 homers, 40 RBIs. On a fantasy baseball basis, he's the number 26 overall player in Roto at $28 in a 15-team 5x5. Um, I mean, the Angels uh, got rid of Pujols to make room for him as the everyday first baseman. Uh, what are your thoughts, Ruben, on Jared Walsh, and uh, you think he'll uh, continue with this pace? I think that Jared Walsh can continue at this pace. Listen, his K rate right now is about 25%. It's not like last year when it was at 13% or in 2019 when it was 40%. His walk rate is up, and he's going up the middle more than he has prior in, from prior seasons. There's no reason If he can keep that K rate where it is and not balloon up to the 40% like it was before, then there's no reason why he can't keep up this current rate. All right. Jeff, thoughts? 
Yeah, I mean, I think there was a, a warranted skepticism of what he did last year because it was only one month. And uh, he came in this year, and, and two months in, he, he's still doing it. I mean, I don't know if he's going to keep it up at this all the way the level he's at right now, but he's certainly going to be an above-average hitter. And, uh, you know, I think that one of the things that's a little concerning is he hasn't hit lefties very well so far this year. So he is getting benched occasionally or dropped in the lineup against lefties. I think that's something they're confident he will improve on. But uh, it is a little bit of something to, uh, to keep an eye on. Right. One up, one down. We have a couple of pitchers who uh, have have having a much better year, resurgence year, and then we have a regression year. We're talking about Alex Cobb and Dylan Bundy. Alex Cobb resurgence. He's now have at forty nine strikeouts in forty innings, four two four ERA. But his his uh, other ERA estimators like Sierra and XFIP are much lower. Sierra is at three oh five, FIP at two six four. He's got a glorious 13% swinging strike rate. And actually, that era, he's been a little bit unlucky. 333 BABIP, so hits are falling in, and a 61% strand rate. Uh, so 40% of the runners are scoring on him, which is uh, above league average. And then there's Dylan Bundy. But let's talk about Alex Cobb first. Um, we, we just said before that he's fourth on the team in war. Um, what are your thoughts on his resurgence so far? Yeah, he's been really good, and uh, you know he he showed some encouraging signs in spring training that he thought that he had this in him, and he he went to drive line over the winter, and it wasn't to gain velocity or anything like that. It was just to really get his mechanics fixed, and uh, he felt like he did that. And early in the season, he was getting some really bad luck with you know blue pits and that kind of thing, and and even in his last game he pitched, he gave up five runs, but four of them came on one swing of the bat on a grand slam. And then he basically retired everybody else in every other inning that he pitched. So he still went seven innings, even though he gave up five runs. So he's he's really been uh, pretty consistent and uh, pretty effective. And he's one of the older guys in the rotation. Now, the issue with him has always been his health. He's He started, he had 10 starts last year. In 2019, he only had three, zero back in 2015, and five only five starts in 2016. Now, his K rate has doubled from his the last time he pitched a full season, which was 2018. It's almost close to 11. Do you think he's able to stay healthy, or are, the, are they, is this six man rotation actually benefiting him so he's able to stay healthy? Well, if I could tell you who's going to stay healthy, I would be making a lot more money than I'm making right now. So uh, I don't know, but uh, you know, so far there have been no. He had a blister issue, but that was the only thing that has really been a problem for him. But otherwise, he's he's been fine. Yeah, um, Eric Lee is uh, another mailbag question. There We've got a lot of great mailbag questions that we're going to sprinkle out throughout the episode. He did. He asked about Alex Cobb, but he also asked about Dylan Bundy. He said, "Hey, he's throwing harder than ever, but the home runs are back." Now, Bundy has been a little bit unlucky as uh, as Cobb with the strand rate. 63%, again, is is below league average, meaning that more runners are scoring on him. Uh, ZRA, though, is putrid, 6.16. His ERA estimators, Sierra and XFIP, they're at 4, which is, oh, I mean, it's not great, but it's certainly better than what he's shown. Uh, but looking at him, his swing strike rate is down, that whip that... I always never picked Dylan Bundy because he always would get you a one three one three five whip. He's back to that this year. Um, I think Dylan Bundy, I think last year was the outlier. I mean, he's tried different pitching sequence last year, which fooled the league, but uh, they're not getting fooled this year. What are your thoughts on Dylan Bundy? It was last year the outlier, or do you think the better days are coming this year? Well, the thing with Bundy is his first six starts, he had a four ERA, exactly four, which was, you know, decent better than league average 
And then he pitched two games with a bad ankle, and he gave up 13 runs in those two games, and his ERA went up into the sixes. Uh, and then the, the, the games he's pitched since then have been much better. And uh, I think that they've, they've worked on some things with him. There were some definite mechanical things that they, they wanted to clean up. His ankle is fine. I expect him to improve you know, the rest of the way. Uh, he's probably not going to get back down to the numbers he had last year just because his, you know, he's had the bad start. But, uh, but I certainly think he's going to pitch better than, than what he's done so far. Ruben? And the Angels actually have an, uh, the not, not any more interim, but a new pitching coach. How much of this? How much of the new pitching coach's influence do you think is affecting him? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I think that in general the coaches are overrated, and uh, certainly the the pitching coach Matt Wise is the pitching coach was there last year. He was the bullpen coach, so he was sitting in every meeting with with Dylan Bundy and Mickey Calloway. Uh, I'm sure he knows exactly what you know Dylan Bundy needs, and I'm sure Dylan Bundy knows what he needs too. It's I mean, it's his career. So uh, I wouldn't blame anything on uh, the coaches at all. Let's talk about uh, trade deadline. Uh, the first question is, will the Angels be buyers or sellers at the deadline? Well, I don't know the answer to that one either, but uh, I think that they're, if they're close, I think they're going to give it a shot uh, at buying. I, don't, I think they're going to have to be pretty hopelessly out of it to be sellers, and they've actually played a lot better over the last few weeks. So they're, they're kind of making a, you know, June, they're scheduled a little easier. So this is really their chance to, to prove if they're going to make a run or not. And then Mike Trout is coming back in July. So uh, I don't really know the answer to that question, but uh, it's going to depend a lot on how they play over the next four weeks. According to, according to Fangraphs, right now they have a 13% chance of making the wild card. So technically, there are so many teams still in it that if they get a little bump, they go on a short, uh, even a, uh, a short five or six, seven game hot streak, there's a very good chance that they will end up being buyers. And especially if Trout comes back and he's 100% to where, where he is, there's no reason why they shouldn't be buyers. Well, they've definitely played better. I mean, they look a lot better baseball team now than they did three weeks ago. So if they continue to play this way, then I think they have a chance. What are their biggest needs in terms of uh, if they were going to go the buying route? Uh, probably bullpen, uh, just maybe some depth in the bullpen, and uh, maybe one starting pitcher would be nice. They, uh, they probably also could use a, an outfielder because of, uh, you know, right now they have Taylor Ward as their everyday right fielder, and uh, Juan Ligaris is playing center field until uh, Trout comes back. But even when Trout comes back, it's still going to be Ligaris or Ward, you know, uh, Joe Adele was kind of, they're sort of holding this spot for Joe Adele, but I don't know if he's going to be ready, how soon he's going to be ready. So they probably could use an outfielder and uh, some pitching. Yeah, so let, let, let's, uh, let's talk a bit about their outfield situation with Trout and Adele. Could you just give some injury updates with Trout and what you expect from Joe Adele, uh, what we can get in 2021? Well, Trout has, uh, has been doing some kind of light jogging on a treadmill, and uh, he hasn't really started like real jogging. And once he does that, he's going to have a better idea of how quickly he can come back. The, uh, the initial timeline that they gave, six to eight weeks, would basically be about July 1st to about July 15th. And uh, so right now, I would say, like, worst-case scenario is, is he comes back right after the All-Star break. And if he does start jogging and things go well, it's possible he could be back at the beginning of July. Uh, as for Joe Adele, he really had a lot of things to work on defensively, and uh, he struck, he's striking out a lot. He's still he's hitting a lot of homers in AAA, so that's certainly encouraging. And they say the defense is getting better, but we really just have to kind of take their word for it. There's no, you know, numbers we can look at online to tell us, you know, how he's doing judging fly balls and that kind of thing. 
but uh, I think they really want to make sure that he's really got that stuff ironed out because they don't want to bring him up and have more issues with it and have to send him back down. So uh, I think they're going to kind of be a little conservative with uh, with when they think he's ready to come back. Anything to add, Ruben? Yeah, Joe Adele is actually, like you mentioned, um, he is hitting a lot of home runs right now. Um, he's played 28 eight games so far in AAA. He's had 15 home runs, batting 264 and three stolen bases. Now, right now, as you mentioned, he's only blocked by Taylor Ward and Juan Lagares. So, hypothetically, couldn't he be there um, uh, when they're buying when they're buying players for the uh, for the playoff run? Wouldn't he be their possible addition that could be putting them over the hump? Absolutely, if he can start catching fly balls, that's uh, they don't want to put him out there if he's going to have the troubles he had last year, and it was it was significant last year. I mean, you talk about some guys that maybe have you know, it's like a nitpicking thing that they're not great outfielders. He was kind of a mess. Uh, he made a four base error last year. He had a ball bounce off his glove and go over the fence. So uh, he had a lot of trouble in the outfield, and they really want to uh, to clear that up. Well, Jose Canseco had a ball bounce off his <laughs> head and go in, so you know. And Canseco was a pretty good player. Uh, <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about other prospects. Um, what other prospects do the Angels have in the pike that could potentially make an impact later this year or maybe some really big ones for even uh, for even next year? Well, they don't have a whole lot. Uh, Brandon Marsh is their number one prospect that hasn't made it to the big leagues yet, uh, an outfielder. And, uh, but he's had a lot of injury trouble over the last year or so. Uh, he's, he's made a lot of progress. There's even some people that think he's got a, he's better than Joe Adele in some people's eyes, but he still has not really barely played AAA, and he's been hurt off and on, and I think that it's, it's still kind of hard to say exactly when he's going to be ready or what he's going to do, but he's the guy. And then uh, pitching-wise, the Reed Detmers was their number one draft pick last year, and he started this year at AA, and he's already made some pretty good improvements just in the month that he's been pitching in double a so i wouldn't be surprised if he's moved up to triple a at some point pretty soon and uh you know i wouldn't be shocked if he's in the majors at the end of the season i think that's probably a little aggressive but uh certainly uh you know with the way the way the pitching is for the angels if he can get there uh it would be a, a boost for them Metsy 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 asks, why are all of these starting pitchers underperforming, and shouldn't Patrick Sandoval be better? High ground ball rate, chase and swinging strike rates, etc. What What are your thoughts on why everyone's perf- underperforming, and specifically Patrick Sandoval? Well, Patrick Sandoval is actually doing pretty well lately. He uh, he's gone into the rotation for Jose Quintana. I think he started four times, and uh, right now he's got a 3.62 ERA, and that's going down kind of each outing. His last outing, he had a 32 swing and misses, which was the most of any pitcher in the major leagues this year. So he does look pretty good, and I definitely think he's got a good future. Uh, as for the rest of the starters, I mean, it's been a lot of uh, bad luck and a lot of bad defense, and uh, you know, they've, it, it's still kind of a small sample for each particular guy. I mean, the most starts anybody has is 11. So I think each guy has had, you know, two or three really bad starts, and then otherwise they've been kind of what you expect. So I think it might sort of uh, even out as we get to the end of the season. Probably their numbers are all going to be where they ex- where we expect them to be, which isn't going to be great, but uh, it should be you know better than, than what they've shown. I actually saw an article by Ryan Bloomfield from Baseball HQ that he did um, for certain pitchers, if you do a mulligan start, take out one bad start for each starting pitcher who has a high ERA, their ERA sort of normalizes. And Andrew Heaney 
gave up seven runs, I think it was opening day, or it was April 2nd when he gave it up. And his ERA right now is around 4.35 around that area. If you take that out, his ERA actually goes down to close to the high twos, high twos like 2.90, something like that. Griffin Canning, same thing. He gave up six runs on April 24th, and his ERA right now is around 5.82. You take that out, his ERA is only around 4.45. So it's I don't think it's as bad or as desperate as people may look at their ERAs. A lot of times, these numbers can still even out. What do you think about that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, I don't think anybody thought they were going to have the best pitching staff in the major leagues. I think they hoped that they would have like an average or a little better than average pitching and a really good offense. And I still think by the time the year is over, they could have average or a little better than average pitching. And, you know, they're going to need their defense to be better, which is something that nobody expected to be so bad. And that has obviously hurt their pitching too. And the offense has been hurt because of Trout being gone and Anthony Rendon not really being himself. So those things all kind of added up to them being, you know, 30 and 32 right now. Yeah. Going back to Patrick Sandoval, by the way, you mentioned his last start, a lot of swing. He he pitched against the Seattle Mariners, who, who have been no hit like 15 times this year so far. Uh, so uh, <laughs> no no surprise there. But yeah, no, but Sandoval is pitching well. Um, uh, I do agree with that. Um, question for you, um, you know, new general manager with the Angels. Um, you know, Mike Trout really haven't won any postseason games. Um, you know, is there a thought that we don't want to waste Trout's good years? What, what's the long-term um, plan for the Angels? Are we going to tear down some of it? Um, is it the, the plan of the team to just keep bolstering? Uh, what, what is the uh, medium and long-term plan for them? Well, they're not tearing down at any point any of it. Uh, the only guys really that they've traded away in the last probably seven years are guys who were in their walk year. So when they get to July and uh, they're out of it, then they trade the basically all the impending free agents they have. They never really trade anybody who they think can help them in the following year because every year they think they're going to they're gonna try again the following year. So that's the direction, and I think that that's going to continue to be their direction. Uh, they need to develop some better young pitching. That's really what's going to make them good. A lot of Angels fans get all upset because they don't go out and acquire top starting pitching in the winter, but you know, even if you dropped Garrett Cole into the Angels right now, you know, they wouldn't be that much better. One guy does not make that much difference. What they need is for, you know, Griffin Canning, Patrick Sandoval, Shohei Otani, Reed Detmers, all these guys. They need like three of those guys to be good starting pitchers, and that's how you get a good team. And so that's still what they're going to be trying to do. And uh, I think they're, you know, as long as they have Mike Trout, they're, they're not going to tear down anything. So that's kind of where they're going. Yep. Thank you so much for joining us on the show, Jeff. Before you go, can you just tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter and where they can read all your stuff? Uh, yeah, on Twitter is Jeff Fletcher OCR. All right. Well, we'll be back with waiver wire pitcher preview and the uh, inj- the injury report from Ruvain in just a bit. Thanks again for Jeff for being on the show. Thanks for having me. All right, we're back. And before we get into our waiver wire and pitcher preview, uh, we just announced on Twitter today that we're going to be having a uh, drop contest. That's right. Uh, So, you know, before each of the segments, we'd like to put a drop in, and we would like to have some interaction with our audience here. And if you are listening to this, and if you did see the the, uh, request on Twitter, please uh, send in, make a drop. Take something that you've heard, some music. 
I don't know, maybe put some audio stuff together. Whatever you, you choose. And uh, Reuven and I will listen to it, and we'll select our best couple, and we'll play them on the show, and uh, and and we'll choose one. What do you think, Reuven? I think it's a great idea, and I can't wait to hear what everyone's got in store for us. Yeah, so please do uh, respond to that post on Twitter. If you're not comfortable doing it in uh, public, please just uh, DM me. Uh, you can DM the podcast at beat underscore shift underscore pod. And we'll take a look at that. So once again, it's the drop contest. Send in send in drops. Make a nice drop for us for the waiver wire and for the pitcher preview. So without a drop, let's do it. The waiver wire today. Ruvain, who do you got to pick up this week? All right, I got two players. The first guy I, I got, he was just recently recalled, uh, Taylor Trammell. Um, he's with the Mariners. He got called back up because Kalenic was sent down because he can't hit curveballs yet. Um, Taylor Trammell, in his, he's... He wasn't hitting that well when he was sent down. He was only batting 157, but since he's been called back up, he's raised his batting average to 180. In his eight games back so far, he has hit safely in five of them and on base in seven of them. He was a t- he is and was a top prospect. He has five homers and two stolen bases for this year, and it seems like he figured something out while he was down there, so I think he's a very good pickup, especially for a very shallow outfield. Um, he's only 25% owned in CBS, so that's an immediate pickup if he's available because he's playing every day, and he's playing every day basically because there's no one else on their bench. They actually just acquired Jake Bowers as one of their backup outfielders. Yes, they're going to use him at corner, but they don't have that many other outfielders, so Taylor Trammell will get a nice long look until the other outfielders in the minors are ready. The other guy I want to mention is a guy we mentioned last week with Steve Carney, and that's Jimon Choi of the Rays. He's batting 300 so far for the year with two homers in only 15 games. He is expected to return from the I.L. over this weekend. He is only owned in 12% of CBS leagues. This is the time to pick him up because if you wait too long, you're going to miss out on him. And he's a guy you can plug him into first base. He's a good batting average guy, and he'll play on a very regular basis. Yeah, I mentioned him last week. I totally agree with that. Uh, I'll mention a couple people. Actually, one person you mentioned last week, Ahmed Rosario. He's only owned in 30% of the leagues, which went down from the beginning of the year. His batting average is up to 256, thanks to he's since May 1st, he's batting 301 with five stolen bases. Um, average and steals are something that's not that easy to get. So uh, please uh, take a look at Rosario. Um, I'll also mention another shortstop, J.B. Crawford, 25% owned. It took him a while, but he is heating up. He's now at 277 on the full season combined. Three homers and two stolen bases only, but I think the counting stats will come too. Take a look at Crawford. Mention two other quick ones, Miguel Andahar at 30%. It's now the time to pick him up. He's heating up. Can he get back to his 2018 levels? I don't know. Um, but uh, so far, five homers in 93 at-bats, batting just under 260. I think he's worth a dart. And I'll mention Steven Duggar, only 10% owned, so he's widely available. He's now batting 303 on the season with four homers, two stolen bases, less than 90 at-bats. In his last 55 plate appearances, that's up to 353 with the three homers and the two stolen bases. So most of his production has come in the last half of his at-bats, which have been excellent. So take a quick look at Steven Duggar, who is widely owned, even in deeper leagues. Pitcher preview now, time. I, I, yeah. be, before we jump to that, Miguel Andor, you mentioned him. He's started 21 out of the last 25 games for the Yankees as Clint Frazier has lost his uh, he's lost his starting job. And Mike's and John, John Mike Stanton, John Carl Stanton is not yet cleared to play the outfield. So as long as he's not, 
Miguel Endohar is going to get regular time in the outfield. And just to tell people, you know what? I mentioned Ahmed Rosario last week in our home league that we have together. We picked up Ahmed Rosario, and he's well worth it. Absolutely. We tend to uh, we are we tend to actually give picks that we actually do. We're not just spewing stuff, you know. We, we unfortunately or we fortunately, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it goes both ways, but uh, you know, we, we've been successful on the whole. So uh, there you go. And by the way, just just a very quick thing, you know. Especially we're going to do these pitcher previews and, and stuff. You know, just because we have a pick for a certain week, you know, if everything's highly variable. Um, you know, I, I get questions on Twitter. Hey, should I start this person? I, I mean, it's a yes or no answer, and the truth is that. Um, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be right more than sixty percent of the time. You know, there's gonna be Ruben's not gonna be right all the time. It's a question of being right more than than the more than average and more than the rest of the league, right? If if people in your league are getting it right fifty percent of the time and you can get sixty five, well, you've got an advantage. Uh, just it, it's you know people are looking for a straight answer, and then of course if it blows up, hey, would you give me a bad advice for? Uh, it doesn't really work that way. I mean, DFS, you know, if you're, you're looking for, when you're looking for 50-50, you're looking for an edge. You don't expect to win all the time. You expect to win uh, more than the average, and that's really how to play this game, right? You are you are 100% correct on that. Uh, yes, the 100% probably on that one. Uh, pitcher preview, uh, let's give it a shot. Uh, it's where we highlight either a good one-start matchup or a good two-start week for a pitcher. Take it away, Ruben. Well, I don't like any of the two-star matchups that are out there for the lower-level pitchers. So I'm trying to really stay away from that. But another guy who may end up being two-star the following week, or even possibly this week, is Adrian Hauser. He's pitching this week on, on, on Monday. He's scheduled to pitch on Monday against the Reds, who he just shut down this past week. Um, his ERA is 3.66. He's got 52 strikeouts and 59 innings so far. And just like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, if you take out his one start on May 21st, which he allowed six runs, every other start he has made, he only has given up three runs or less. So he's available in a lot of leagues. He's a good pickup for full season, not just for short term. Yeah, I'd like to see him get his swing strike rate up a little bit. So it's below 8% right now. Uh, strikeout rate only at 21%. So I'd like to see that up a little bit. He was a preseason uh, sleeper for some, uh, but his walk weight has gone up uh, 10%. His average um, for his career is 9%. So some of those Ks and BBs are trending in the wrong direction. So I worry about that. Um, but yeah, you know. But, he, he, but he, he does play in a good team. He's on a team that's tied for first place right now, so he's a good option for wins. And he's playing a team like the Reds or the Pirates, any of those division foes, he's a good option to get wins. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I'll give two guys here. Uh, we mentioned Alex Cobb. You know, he's only 30% owned on CBS. Um, yeah, he should be picked up. His last two starts, uh, more importantly than just the numbers, Seven innings pitched, both starts. Again, in today's day and age, in Roto especially, and especially in points, um, you want pitchers to go to go long. Um, mention this with, with Marco Gonzalez. You know, Marco Gonzalez is better at Roto than you think because he gets a lot of decisions. He wins a lot of games. He loses a lot of games. But if you're in Roto and losses don't count against you, it's just the wins, having high innings 
uh, per start is really important. You want guys who give length because the longer you go, the more chances you are to win a game. Right? You can't win a game unless your team scores. And if your team scores more than the other team, even if you give up five runs, you still win the game. So look for pitchers who do that. And Alex Cobb looks like he's turning a corner on that. Uh, and a great strikeout rate. 49 Ks in 40 innings pitched. He faces Detroit this week. I think it's definitely the right time to pick him up for this week and for the rest of the season. Jake Arrieta, um, I somewhat, for some reason, like him. I saw him earlier this year pitch, and I like some of his movement. Uh, he faces the Mets. He was great against them early earlier this year. He also he's a two star pitcher. He also faces Miami later in the week. That's a pretty good start. He's more owned, but he's still available in over forty percent of CBS leagues. I think Jake Arrieta. It's a good play. Last week he played at San Diego against the Padres. Uh, only give up four hits, one walk, one earned run, striking out six and in five innings. Uh, so I like Arietta for this week coming off that start. Uh, there you go. Any anyone else to add, Ruben? No, I think that's it. It's it's ve- the outfield situation. If you can grab an outfielder, if you can grab uh, a starting pitcher who you know is who's going to give you length, like you mentioned about Mar- Marco Gonzalez, that's what you have to go for because it's so hard to get wins unless you get lucky and you pick up the relievers. They get the wins. So those are the main things that you should be looking for, especially now. Or those are things you should look for possibly in a trade. When you're trying to trade for certain uh, commodities, two things you should be looking for is depth in your outfield because outfield seems to be very shallow. If you look at the batting averages, the batting averages for a lot of outfielders are very low. And starting pitchers, you're going to need wins. You can't rely on relievers to get wins. And if the pitchers give you more innings, that's the way to go. There you go. Let's end it with the injury update. Ruvain, what is this week's injury updates of all the players? What a great year. It keeps you in business. So many injuries. It keeps me in great business. Now, I mentioned mentioned Adrian Hauser. I'm going to start with a couple of Brewers. Colton Wong, Brewers manager Craig Council, said Wong is expected to return from the I.L., before the end of June. So I guess that's a little bit of good news there. But some not-so-good news is Travis Shaw. He was placed on the IL with a dislocated left shoulder. Players who can receive more time, Daniel Robertson, uh, Pablo Reyes, and Jace Peterson. Corey Seager, manager for the Dodgers, Dave Roberts, said that an early July return is a totally fair timeline for him. So he's going to probably return around the same time that Mike Trout will. Trent Grisham began a rehab assignment today. We're taping this on Thursday. He began it today. He is in El Paso. That's where the rehab assignment is. The Padres are in New York, but they're in Colorado on Monday. So if you have him on your roster, you want to try to activate him, he may be in the lineup for Colorado on Monday. Adbert Alzali, his finger, he has a blister on his right middle finger. He was placed on the IL. Blisters can be very tricky if not given the proper time to heal and can end up being an issue for long term. That's something to watch. Zach Gallen, he threw a 32-pitch sim game earlier this week and is scheduled for another bullpen session. If all goes well, Gallen will throw another sim game this weekend with a possible return by the end of June. Lorenzo Cain, he will not return sooner than the beginning of July, so keep stashing him if you want to. Sonny Gray, he was placed on the IL with a right groin strain he'll miss at least two starts. Alex Dickerson was placed on the IL with upper back strain. Manager for the Giants, Gabe Kapler, is optimistic that he won't require a long stint, but Austin Slater can fill in along with Mike Talkman. Ian Kennedy was placed on the IL with mild left hamstring strain. We don't know how bad it is, but Josh Spores, I don't know if I pronounced that right, that's S-B-O-R-Z, could be the closer for Texas for now. Garrett Cooper, a guy we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, he was placed on the aisle with a lumbar strain. Lewin Diaz was brought up. 
Cooper was dealing with the back stiffness for a while, and his earliest return date is June 18th. Max Kepler is on track to return next week from a hamstring injury. Steven Strasburg, not so much. He has not yet resumed throwing. He's been doing lower body work only, and manager for the Nationals, Dave Martinez, said he wants the nerve irritation to subside before he resumes throwing. Not a good thing. Mike Yastrzemski, he's on track to return hopefully this weekend. Jeff McNeil for the Mets, he's, he's going to be supposed to start a minor league rehab assignment this weekend, so he's getting close to a return. Now, because I'm a Mets fan, I happen to know all this also. So if you want to pick these guys up, Luis Guillorme, he's supposed to uh, return hopefully later this week. Albert Almora next week. Jeff McNeil, mid-June. Michael Conforto, late June. Noah Syndergaard, August. J.D. Davis, Brandon Nimmo, Carlos Carrasco, to be determined. They're very far out. I would not recommend uh, stashing those guys, especially Carlos Carrasco, who's now not throwing off of a mound anymore. So you got to be a little bit concerned about that. Jack Flaherty, he has a left oblique strain. He's expected to be out through the All-Star break. Another guy who may be in the waiver wire you may want to consider picking up, Aristides Aquino. He could return to the Reds uh, roster this Sunday. He's been out since fracturing a left hammy bone in mid-June, and in the rehab, he's batted 5 for 15 with a homer and 7 walks. Harrison Bader is taking a little bit longer than anticipated, according to their manager, to return from a right rib hairline fracture. He's doing light baseball activities, but he's still about at least two to three weeks away. Negative news here. This just came out today. Nick Madrigal tore his hamstring and is on the 60-day IL. Brian Goodwin is called up, so he's an option if you want to look on the waiver for that. But I wanted to end on some positive news. Luis Arias, he could begin a rehab assignment in the coming days and be back pretty soon. Kevin Biggio could be activated this weekend, and Luke Voigt could begin a uh, rehab assignment as soon as this Sunday, which means he could be back by the end of next week. Wow, great report today. Uh, unbelievable uh, how you keep track of all these injuries, and what a headache to fantasy managers. I mean, you mentioned half the guys that I own somewhere. Uh, I know I've got a lot of Trent Grisham on my roster. We've got Jeff McNeil a lot of places. Uh, just uh, it's crazy keeping up with this this year. Well, if you if you'd read my article every week on Rotoball, it comes out on Saturday morning. I go, I go over all this stuff, and I also have a special this week. I'm actually going to be talking about these muscle injuries, how they compare it for this year from last year, and it's actually quite interesting. Yeah, so check that out on Rotoballer. Um, all right, well that pretty much wraps up the show. Ruben, why don't you just tell everybody uh, where we can uh, find you and uh, reach you and all that. Well, besides the Rotoborla article I just mentioned, that's a weekly article regarding all these injuries and others. You can also follow me on Twitter at MLB Injury Guru, where I tweet these updates on a daily basis and who's up next. All right. And uh, I'm Ariel Cohen. You can find me on Twitter at ATCNY. I'm right for Fangraph, Sportsline, and Rotoborla as well. And, of course, you can listen to me on the Beat the Shift podcast each and every week here, right here. You're listening to the show right now. So just keep it on the feed and tune in next time. We had a couple of shows the, this past week, uh, past two weeks. Uh, back to more regular schedule next week. We got uh, Britt Garoli on. That should be fun. Um, and uh, that's pretty much it. All right, it's a wrap. We'll see you next time on the Beat the Shift podcast. See you then. Thanks for listening to the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangrass. Follow us on Twitter 
beat underscore shift underscore pod.